Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Stompcast with me, Dr. Alex George. This is the podcast where I go for a walk with a guest to take a little wander into their life. I'm so grateful for the community we've built here on the Stompcast. The lessons we're learning together and the experiences we're having, the stories we're sharing, it means so much to me. And I want to say a huge thank you to everyone that subscribes, leaves a review, leaves a star rating on Spotify or Apple. It really helps us reach more people. If you enjoy the podcast, please do, because it means other people can enjoy it too. And if you're really, really enjoying the Stompcast, which I hope you are, please do consider subscribing to Behind the Stomp on Apple Podcasts. It's $3.99 a month. It's a discounted amount over the year. As well as doing a very good deed, it also means you're going to get access to exclusive content. This includes Behind the Stomp, where myself, the producer, and my team reflect on the episode. We have a laugh about some of the things that might have happened along the way. We also give some advice and tips and things if you're going to come to the area. You'll also have access to all three parts and Behind the Stomp on the Sunday. For everyone else, you'll be hearing the episodes roll out on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday consecutively. This week on Behind the Stomp, we discover what happened to Abby when she drank half a can of energy drink. We reflect on the conversation around bipolar disorder and producer Abby shares a personal story. And I also reflect on a very lovely vegan lunch I had on the way. Right, let's start the episode, but I hope to see you in Behind the Stomp. So this week I'm stomping with comedian, author and podcaster Harriet Dyer. In 2020, Harriet released Bipolar Comedian, her book about mental health trauma and growing up in Cornwall. Harriet's comedic journey really got going when she wrote and performed her deeply personal and funny show, Trigger Warning, at Edinburgh Fringe, which won her a Neurodiversity Representation Award. Harriet's comedic charm is also widely enjoyed in her podcast, Make Me Better, where she tests out different mental health fads with fellow comedian Louise Young. I had the pleasure of meeting Harriet earlier this year at the podcast show in London, and I'm so looking forward to chatting to her again today. Harriet, welcome to the Stompcast. Thank you so much for, for joining me. We've had a, a great trip up this morning. We've been very lucky with the traffic, actually, um, which can be a bit chaotic when you're going from London to, well, near, near Manchester way. We're, we're in the God, so you were lucky you didn't have any traffic. We were lucky. We got, we got going at actually eight in the morning, which you think would be chaos uh, going from central London, but we kind of just slipped through the net got out onto the, uh, onto the M1 and we've actually had a really clean journey. But I will tell you one thing, we left London with the, the beautiful sunshine and I can say <laughs> it is not quite sunny here. You're wearing a very <laughs> colourful rain top but it is not... <laughs> It is not sunny weather, is no. it? No. Well, it was this morning, because when you said about uh, making sure that I packed stuff for rain, I was thinking, these they don't know, because it was so sunny. And then, but I was quite excited because I get to bring out this, because my partner won't go anywhere with me in this kugel, because he said I look like I'm 
I'm on ex an, an exchange student. Oh, I see, <laughs> on a programme like that. Yeah, well, yeah. well, listen, let me tell you, I think you look very cool. You're very cool indeed, You're pulling off the colours. You are in a very random assortment, but I'm appreciating and enjoying it. And do you know what? On the Stumpcast, we don't worry about the rain. Actually, we, we do worry sometimes. We did the Billy Billingham episode, and we were on the top of a mountain, and I was getting basically blown off the mountain. That was the limits of what I put up with. However, it's not like that. But I can tell you one thing. It is an absolutely beautiful place. We're just wandering. We're in... Um, is this, does this count as gloss up here? Uh, this is Padfield, which is just the outskirts. But and then you've got Hadfield, which, fun fact, is where League of Gentlemen was filmed. Really? Yeah, yeah. God, that is a fun fact. <laughs> you'll, hear, you'll hear one or two cars passing by, guys. But um, very different to if we're walking down the high street in London. There's no way we could, uh, <laughs> no, could no. do this. But as we look around us, you know, we've got the kind of stone uh, walls. Uh, you've got the rolling hills, as you'd expect. A lot of greenery. It's just kind of pretty beautiful countryside isn't it yeah you'd never know that you were only 30 minutes away from manchester God, is I, that how close it is yeah yeah really close you know, i'm a united fan oh united i didn't fan. know yeah, that I'm a, I'm a united fan so i feel close to my uh, oh well keep that quiet though because around here i reckon they're more city yeah they probably yeah. are actually yeah. aren't they? well actually isn't everyone sitting out there going, ah, true, I'm, bitter, I'm bitter i'm bitter it's fine <laughs> well listen i'm really excited to have on have you on the podcast so we actually met uh, at the podcast show so that's effectively well, a show that happens annually it brings together um, podcasters producers sponsors and so on and they have these like panels and things and uh, it was kind of i said uh, during our panel talk that we both sat on it's ironic that the sound quality there the audio and acoustics were an absolute nightmare in that room weren't they oh, you know it, it was it, we were trying to like have a conversation and then they, they had like um headphones for the audience <laughs> but then not for us and of course, you know, it's not a laughing matter, but you use uh, hearing aids. So it must have been, I said to you, I turned to you, I said, gosh, this must be so <laughs> difficult for you. you. You did an amazing job, but really shouldn't have had to, to be honest. Uh, well, maybe it was next a, time they'll have headphones for us. It was so nice of you to, because I, I think people don't realise sometimes that it is quite difficult sometimes. So to be honest, it was just nice that you acknowledged that it was quite difficult. And I, I assumed that it was just for me quite difficult, but it was... Well, no, it was just awful, wasn't it, for everybody? Because it, it was, was difficult, just high... uh, It was difficult to have the conversation, but I, I really um, I felt for you that shouldn't have uh, that shouldn't have happened. Hopefully, that they, they'll be learning from that experience. But it was, you know, aside from from that, it was it was great to chat. And yeah, you really struck a chord with me, and I, and I I found it fascinating hearing from someone who has experienced you know mental illness, but uses comedy to navigate some of that personally but also to actually educate as well like i think you do a brilliant job of kind of trying to teach people about things that are perhaps still quite stigmatized like let's be honest a bipolar disorder is probably amongst the most stigmatized conversations alongside suicide and suicidality and things like that and you know it's amazing that you actually not only hit that head on but also you actually use like comedy and stuff to create uh, that conversation so i'm genuinely really really grateful for you to Kind of come on the podcast and we're oh, gonna have yes. a great wander it's a it's a beautiful part of the world here we've just entered a field guys <laughs> with lots of the cows they're all sat down they are sitting down it's true it is about to rain that's what they do isn't it oh they sit down when it's going to rain we've today i should say as well everyone we've got a producer abby this time abi rather than abby which is um uh, on my team so abby's also here but confusingly she's, bringing up she's, the not, rear. she's bringing up the rear or the cows i should say um she's heading down you're right there abby well, Abigail Wag here, so she's my assistant. And we've got Abby as well joining. Abby, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Abby's going to be joining us on Behind the Stomp uh, afterwards for, for a conversation and stuff. But we've got a great team of us today and we're going to have a great walk. So 
to everyone joining us. This is a lovely safe space. We're going to have a great conversation. We're going to dive a little bit into, you know, why comedy and why the combination of comedy and talking about mental health. Uh, in part two, we're going to talk about um, your experience with bipolar disorder, what that means. I think a bit of education for people to understand. Uh, and then part three, we're going to talk about your podcast, which you do all sorts of different things and try different things in the treatment of mental health. And basically to see, is it true? Does it work? If I take said uh, thing, will I feel better? So it's going to be a good chat. <laughs> you started doing comedy like full time in 2013. Is that right? You yeah. did the Edinburgh Fringe and you ha did an amazing performance. And from there, am I right in saying that that's when everything kicked off? Uh, yeah, well, I started in 2010 and then I, all, oh, I was having a terrible time. I had a lot of trauma that I wasn't dealing with and and I hadn't, no one had really said that I had mental health problems. So I was drinking and doing drugs to sort of try and, well, self-medicate really. And then I ended up going to uni, no one would work with me. And then at the time, because I wanted to go to drama school, but I couldn't afford it. And then at the time at uni, there was a, it was the only uni in the country to do a stand-up comedy module, which I didn't even know. And then I've turned up one day and, um, and everyone's like, are you ready for the stand-up comedy assessment? And I was like, the what? And then this person, <laughs> this person goes, you what? You what? And then this person goes, well, tell everyone the story you told in the pub the other day about when you died twice, which was funnier than it sounds. So then, <laughs> so then I, I You did... have to tell that story in a minute, okay, okay, <laughs> So then I, so then I did that, and then the head of drama was like, you're a total disaster, we need to get, we need to sort your drinking out, but, because I was just turning up with gin in an Evian bottle, and then, um, but she was like, you're, you're naturally very good at it. So from the off, I was talking about things that were quite deep but then through uh, on the circuit getting gigs well the first gig I bloody had I didn't know because people were like oh when you want to start gigging you send your bio out to to gig promoters and I thought bio was short for biography so I was writing like my dad left my mum at the age of 30 when you're supposed to write all you've done in comedy not like your life story which is what I was sending listen I would have definitely done that as well I, that's a hundred percent I'm laughing because like that is quite, I can literally picture myself sat there I was born in I West was... Wales <laughs> yeah. I had two dogs when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's it. How do, you, how do you know these things until you know? So what you would, know? Do they, were they surprised then? Were they like, yeah, what's going on? Yeah, but they gave me the gig because they said, well, no one's ever done anything like that before. So then I got the gigs. But then gigging regularly in, on the circuit, it was always men would then come up and tell me what I needed to do different in my set. So, so they'd be like, right, well, you need to be more Cornish. You need to be less Cornish. You need to do this, do that. And I was taking on all these things. And then I did a gig um with kevin bridges and he was like why are you funnier off stage than on stage or and then i realized that i just sort of sponged up all these things that people were telling me to do and rather than be you. yeah rather than be me and then so that that was when i was like well i'm just gonna be myself and then and then it and then it wasn't really more of a, a conscious decision to talk about mental health stuff on stage it was more like People met me and then they needed a, an explanation. <laughs> Do you know what? You crap me out and you made me laugh on that sofa because you you say, I think Big Part is right, it's so funny. You are so brutally honest about what you think in that moment. Like you just say it, which is honestly, it's really refreshing actually. And, and I can tell you, I, it is very, very funny. I mean, so 
you, you, so you were brought up in Cornwall, right? Yeah. And then you went, where was university? Uh, in Wolverhampton. In Wolverhampton. And how did you find that university time? So you were kind of, I guess, finding yourself amongst the, the comedy and, and you kind of discovered this thing that you, you enjoyed. How, how was your kind of university time? And you talked about um, alcohol. Why, why did you have that relationship with alcohol? And, you know, how did that affect, like, well, it's quite a young time in your life as yeah. well, isn't it? Um, I guess you're in your late teens or 20s. Well, I went late to uni because I died twice. So I went, okay, you have to so tell I the dying. Went, Let's start with yeah. the dying twice and then we'll work out the uni well, bit. Well, because it's, oh, it's a very long story, but basically, cut short, I, um, uh, so I was already drinking and doing drugs and not listening to my body from a young age uh, because, well, which ties in with the other thing as well, actually, because so, my mum was like doctors were saying I think there's something wrong with her because I was just shutting myself off talking to rocks instead of humans and just having a difficult time and then but my mum if ever a doctor was like yeah I think she needs to take this and that and she needs some help and my mum was like oh no she's just eccentric and my mum was the most wonderful person in the world so I'd apart from perhaps that um, but, but so so then I was like oh well my mum must know so then but then in doing that it's then and I'm then confused about what is in my mind because my mind's all busy and horrible and I had a lot of trauma. So then, so then, but I was told I was fine. So then I started drinking and doing drugs to sort of block it out. Spoiler alert, didn't help. <laughs> never, never bloody helps. So yeah, so then I, um, and then I was on a night out with this guy that I was with that was very skinny, very hairy. So we called him the pipe cleaner. And, okay, right. and I was dancing in Nuki in this, uh, this club that, um, that you could eat Which pasties, the beach nightclub. Yeah, yeah, you used to be able to eat pasties on the dance floor. That's actually the best reason to go, isn't it? Isn't it? That's a great reason. But you'd wake up like with half a pasty stuck to the bottom of your shoe after a night out. And then, um, which is again not a bad thing. So, yeah, it's again <laughs> worse things stuck to my feet. Yes, than I have, yeah. yeah. And um, uh, so, and then I just had this awful pain. And then he was like, "Oh, we need to hang out more." And I was like, "No, I feel awful." But I just, he was like, dance it off. So I was dancing off this pain, but my appendix had burst. Oh, my God. And I, and I was like... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's just... Uh, so you had a burst appendix, and then Yeah, you... so I had a burst appendix. Right. We're still out clubbing, and then it got, is it gangrenous or something? Oh, yes. And yeah. then I went home, and then the mum called the doctor that yeah, used sure. to be a vet... And he was like poking in very strange places. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. okay. And, then, and yeah. then he was like, "No, she's fine." So then Mum didn't believe him. Got out another doctor, and then that doctor was like, "Oh my God, she's dying. Get her to hospital." So then I got to hospital, um, and then that was when. And then the, the the doctor was really weird. Goes, just kept saying to me, "How old were you when you lost your virginity?" But even if he thought I was pregnant, why would he need to know how? How yeah. when I lost my virginity? Don't you think yeah. that's weird? It's, perhaps yeah, it's always hard to tell what why someone's asking something out of context. <laughs> yeah, especially but, when yeah. I'm dying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, that must have been a scary time though. So, so do you, you went to the operating theatre? Yeah, and apparently that's when I died. And then, um, so uh, your heart actually stopped in that. Yeah, oh yeah. And then I said, and then everyone says, "Oh, did you see oh anything?" And I remember uh, specifically seeing the tops of the surgeons' heads, like I was looking down. Yeah, people. Do you know people? Um, do people say that's that? quite a common one, actually. Yeah, around that feeling because there's a, there's a thought around like how, whether you get an increased consciousness before death, but it's hard to kind of it's hard to know how much of that is actually then when you're back alive you have 
all of this like kind of pseudo memory almost of, of the times it's kind yeah. of like your brain conjures what it believed might have happened because our brains basically try to make try to make sense of everything don't they it's why we think about we have ideas about the future even though we don't know what the future is and we also have thoughts and emotions attached to the past like it's really interesting that memories are basically they're not actually factual are they our memories are like this kind of kind of mishy washy mashy interpretation of what might have happened like you think did that person say that or did they not i kind of remember this but did i remember it of right course, were they wearing a, was yeah. it a green jumper or a red well i've decided it's a red jumper now and then they said this and this happened and you create this and you call it a memory yeah but it's kind of just conjured up of like bits yeah. and bobs some of it's true some of it isn't and and so i think i think probably there's a, again it's hard to really know a fact around or for fact around that but i think a lot of it is probably what our brain creates to make yeah. sense of what happened at that time but then odd that a lot of people that it is if you're saying like the go-to that when these yeah. sorts of things happen unless maybe that's part of it as well that people then have heard that this is what happens yeah. so then that's part but of dream studies into it are as interesting because well. also people think they talk about like financial worries people have dreams of their teeth falling out and stuff yeah like that. and that's actually something that's quite common or like real worry about an event happening people worry about their, that they dream about their teeth falling out so there's certain patterns that are that are quite common so gosh you had so at that time you had appendicitis it ruptured gangrenous appendicitis is really <laughs> yeah. bad and you had a cardiac arrest what a, wow yeah and, and so then, how long was the recovery what was the recovery process from that oh ages i was well that's why i missed i think i missed a year of learning or maybe two and then i went back into college late and uh so that's why I went to uni slightly later on. Yeah, right, yeah. I'm back well, then because then I got pneumonia as well. So then I I left. Then I I left hospital, um, and then I just I just couldn't breathe properly. I was like, do you remember Stevie from Malcolm in the Middle that used to be like, oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're just... kind of like breathing and panting away. Yeah oh, yeah. You went right through the ringer then that time. Yeah. Jeez. But then as well, because you know when people go to uni, you uh, often that's then your first experiences of life really yeah, yeah. um whereas i'd already sort of quite lived a life so we've um, done two you've done two already haven't you really well, part one part two well, yeah. yeah yeah goodness me so, so you... then um so so i found it quite hard to because when i by the time i was at uni the people in my year were like i think they were like four years younger than me mm. and and also because i had trauma in my childhood um like abuse and stuff i was really um i was really conscious of safety in places that i didn't know so all my friends went to they had halls of residence where um where their lessons were but when i was looking it up there wasn't much security there so i i went to the halls of residence that had really good security but then i was nowhere near the people in my yeah in my class which actually was a good thing because they were all a bunch of knobheads <laughs> so we've taken a little snap guys remember to check out the the stompcast instagram page to see any of the pictures we take we often put little recommendations on there as well uh places to visit it's good to see you know the the beauty of these areas and yeah hopefully inspires people to come along and, and to enjoy yeah them. there's five neighboring ones i think yeah, this, I mean, this is a big old reservoir, this mm. one, isn't it? It's got, you said there's purple ivy in here, potentially. Yeah, but so I'm, I'm sure purple ivy, isn't that from a Batman film? Oh, see, that's what's probably... Well, film. we said, didn't we, about adjusting things that have happened. I think that's probably what I've, what I've done. Yeah, I've read a yeah, sign. Read there's not even purple ivy that. in here. We're going to get yeah. atted now by the, by, the, by the people of the wildlife. Oh, do you get that a lot? Of people correcting. Well, no, I'm very happy for us to be uh, correcting <laughs> and talk. So, so, so university... 
I guess, wow, I mean, you know, I know you attach a lot of light to it, and I guess I can see that's how you process or you handle a lot of things, but it sounds like you mentioned abuse in childhood. You've gone through this experience where, well, your heart stopped, you, you died, you, you were revived, you were brought back to life. That is a lot of trauma to attach together, as well as perhaps other mental illness that might be you know appearing at the time you know you i haven't asked you and you haven't said about when you know uh, bipolar was diagnosed but there's a lot of stuff going on there is that why alcohol came into was it a conscious thing of i need to numb or did you try and process stuff and it didn't kind of didn't um, get through how, how like yeah how yeah, weird did alcohol come i think come because my mum was telling me that, that, that there was nothing wrong with me and i was like well well i can't really speak to anyone like that and then i would have just been a kid just curiously drinking like what everyone did especially in Cornwall everyone there was nothing else to do and then um uh and then it and then it would have been like oh I quite like this and then my brain your brain feels fogged doesn't it so then you I was just getting such bad depression because then on the come down after alcohol all the time so then times were even even worse because of that really was it uh, just alcohol do you use drugs as well do you Oh, at one point, anything I could bloody yeah. get me grubby little mitts on. <laughs> and, and 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 did you find? Was there a part of you that was like, this is, this is kind of working? I mean, you said like you said there earlier on, it doesn't work. That was a spoiler. Oh alert. yeah, okay. spoiler I mean, alert. Did, no. was, were you aware at the time this this is not helping, or was it like, look, this has taken the edges off things. Let's just kind of go. With well, this yeah, thing I felt like it was. I felt it was something in my life that, that was consistent that I could sort of rely on to a certain degree. Um, and then it was only really was when a really good friend of mine died and I sort of had an epiphany like, oh, I can either just sort of stay here, like just ruining my life, because then you sort of realise how short life is, don't you? So then I was like, well, I'm just really not making the most of, of my life. So and that, when... that loss, and I'm sorry for your loss, that loss gave you that kind of well yeah because i thought how dare me take this life for granted when she hasn't had the you know she hasn't had the chance to take anything for granted because she was so young and uh taking a blooming roast dinner on a sunday to her grandparent and then a freak hailstorm came and she'd come off the road in her car and crashed i was just just awful so um so i was like oh harriet sort your shit out please for the love of god and so this was <laughs> why you're at university was this or just well, yeah, so, and, and like Cornwall's so beautiful, but it's very, I found it at the time, just a very small town mentality, quite toxic, and I just needed to, and then because of the, a lot of, with a lot of trauma, you're just reminded of a lot of stuff, the same people, sure. the same faces, so it wasn't even really about going to university to learn, I was just, it was just the only way I could afford to leave Cornwall, mm. really. Mm. And my friend Batty was going to Wolverhampton Uni, and I was like, Batty, I shall follow. I'm coming <laughs> I'm with you. To, to, so you to university. discovered this, this passion for, for comedy. You're clearly pretty good at it once you, once you started kind of following your own, I guess, well, your own intuition, yeah. and just being your kind of self. When was the kind of moment of like, wow, like I'm not just enjoying this, but I'm actually onto something here? Was that when I mentioned at the start that was that Edinburgh Fringe, or was there a time? Was there a time where you're like, wow, people really are enjoying? Well, yeah, this. just people were really complimentary, and then it was only when when I did my debut hour at the Edinburgh Fringe, when it was about mental health, and when people were coming up to me. Um, afterwards and saying stuff like oh I came with my sister and we can't we find it difficult to talk about mental health and then sort of your show opened that up that we can now have a conversation about it and all those sorts of things um, made me made me realize oh well there's 
you know, it's not just cathartic for me, it's useful for other people mm. as well to be so open and honest about. I think it's just refreshing as well and uh, that, you know, that people can go out on a Friday, Saturday night and laugh and also go, oh, God, I'm not alone, and or laugh and then afterwards think, oh, well, she was saying, what she was saying was actually had a point and, and rah, rah, rah. So I think... Um, so yeah, so just just doing it regularly, and it wasn't really until I stopped drinking and all of that that then I was um, able to put my best into comedy. Really. Really. So when you stopped drinking, that was when did you notice a direct oh, correlation definitely. with like productivity and performance? Definitely, and because there's so many comedians as well that just because it's so easy to drink when you do comedy. Because even when you're new, often even if you're not paid, they go oh free bar. Oh my God, one of my first gigs, I was so, they said free bar, and then they never offered anyone a free bar after it because, uh, oh God, I was a liability. And then it was in this little cavern <laughs> thing, and then I, I swung my backpack round by accident, and there was this um, Jack Daniel, Daniels bottle with a candle on oh, it God. that fell over, and then there was a blooming, caught a tablecloth on fire. Was that yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, at least you got material. <laughs> yeah. Excuse the pun. Excuse the pun. Nah. <laughs> you had some material for your next gig, at least. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so it was just, and I guess that's. Did they ever ask you back? No. no. <laughs> 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 I um after years I because then I gig for the guy now but I don't think he re I don't think he's put because I've Tindy, changed a lot you, uh, yeah. since then as well I used to wear a suit because I thought that's what lady comedians oh, were supposed find to find a picture <laughs> of your suit uh, gosh I, we're coming to the end of uh, uh, part one here now and uh, we're just actually we've come off we basically crossed well we, we went across the bridge bit between the reservoir we're now into kind of the path with the trees and stuff you probably can hear the difference in the acoustic and stuff it's really very nice you can hear the wind yeah rustling, can't you, through, through and there's the like trees. a little beachy bit because the other day i came here and i went across that way um by the where, where where cars can come but this way there's like a little not maybe a beachy bit is being a bit too kind but it's like a little opens up in a little bench mm. and a little looks a bit sandy well i'm looking forward to seeing it, I'm looking forward <laughs> to seeing it. so um as we come to the end of part one um, I'd like to ask you what what has been the highlight so far in terms of like your gigs and the comedy like what's been your favorite night might be a really big one that you did or just one that you really enjoyed I wonder if you could just tell us and leave us with a, with a really nice yeah memory that you have well it was definitely um, 2021 um, it was I couldn't believe it I got asked to go on the, the Russell Howard show yeah, and it was just amazing. fantastic I wondered if you say that because yeah. <laughs> it was a dream come true and afterwards I started like my lips started going and I started filling up and then and one of the producers were like are you all right and I mean it's just when you work so hard at something and then it was just meant such a lot and it was sort of at the end of all Covid and all that yeah. so it was just such an honour uh, to do it uh, but then because you practice your set and what you're gonna say and then my partner when we watched it he was like why are you walking like that and i was like well i just forgot how to walk because i practiced everything <laughs> and then i just started i just was like walking like you know wallace and grommet it's when you have to think about how to walk is when <laughs> yeah. it goes that's when it goes wrong isn't yeah, it exactly oh, you make me laugh so yeah, well i mean i've been mean, no no wonder really that you had such like uh, i guess emotional time with it because you know, you, you've worked so hard at it, you've been through so much, and I guess there's almost like, I often think that in, in life, life gives you kind of full circles, and sometimes you start the circle in a really difficult place or not knowing where it's going to end, but then often there's like a full circle moment where you're like, wow, like, 
all of that pain or suffering or all those difficult things or the challenges or the pushbacks, that closed circle feeling of, wow, I, like I, I made it to where I was meant to be. And I think there's yeah. something really cathartic about that in, in, in that moment of being like, wow, it kind of makes sense now. Oh, definitely, definitely, yeah, I just couldn't, because, and as well, because it's like so many people, when you, when they find out you do comedy, that they go, like, oh, how come you're not on the telly? And they don't realise that there's sort of this under circuit. There's so under many people. Undercurrent, you make it sound like a gangster land, gangland of undercurrent. The Cornish Mafia. I mean, you've been touring for such, such a long time. <laughs> so we'll come to the end of uh, part one. So you might have noticed things are a little bit different on the Stompcast now. So if you are a Behind the Stomp subscriber, then you'll get access to all three parts on the Sunday, including the bonus Behind the Stomp episode, along with a lot more content that's coming very, very soon. If you're listening uh, on Spotify or on Apple, but I'm not a prescribed subscriber, you could be a prescriber, not a subscriber, then you'll get the episodes on a Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. So I'll see you very soon either way. 